With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the McCovey Croncast, the greatest San Francisco Giants baseball podcast of all time. And now here are your hosts, McCoveyChronicles.com site contributors Brian Murphy, Doug Bruzzoni, and Sammy Higgins. The Giants have won three baseball game series in a row, and they are 14 and 14 as we record this. It is Brian Murphy, Doug Brizzoni, and Sammy Higgins. Guys, folks, people, uh, are you excited or are you your arms still folded going, nope, I'm going to wait another month and see what's going on with this team? The, the Giants might actually be good. Wait, can I be both? <laughs> I, I can enjoy this and still be like, I'm going to wait and see. Uh, they've the big, the biggest news I think at this very moment, as I'm sitting here, and you can both jump me on this if I'm wrong, is that Joe Panic's gone for two months. Yes. So that the temper to temper the excitement of taking three or four against the Dodgers. And, and I love that everyone in around both teams approach this weekend going, oh, God damn it. Like both, <laughs> like both teams just went in going like, this is going to suck. This is going to suck so much. Uh, and then it did. And the Giants still won three out of four. And then, but Joe Panic is, is down. Um, I, I think uh, that it's a thumb surgery right is what it's looking like it's, yeah it's looking stuff. like surgery yeah um so it's a thumb sprain they said but uh i think it's a torn ligament is what i also heard i don't know if that's the same thing but it sounds like he's gonna need surgery he's going for a second opinion i think tomorrow and of course uh, another reason for giants fans to strongly dislike yasiel puig it happened on the knee of yasiel puig it did. I mean, let's let's be fair to Yasiel Puig, though. He felt so bad about it that he went out and got himself injured the next day. Twice. I Twice. think I, I would I actually he say... Just, he was being as fair as he could. I would say that that is actually within his character. Yeah. I, I would totally see it. It would be like, Puig said, Puig, your friend. He's not... I didn't mean it. Puig, <laughs> get us injured together. Puig, your, hashtag Puig, your friend. <laughs> surgery buddies and the Dodgers are just <laughs> sitting there horrified no no <laughs> Dave Roberts is like we have talked to you about this so many times you can't be surgery buddies with everyone in the league just because he has Tommy John doesn't mean you have to uh, so I guess the biggest thing that we we should focus on out of this four game series really the only thing that matters uh, that happened this week that matters is Pablo Sandoval pitched the cleanest inning of relief we're going to see this season. <laughs> Unless it's, it's, a Giants pitcher throws an immaculate inning, which is nine consecutive strikes for three straight strike to strike out the side. I don't see a Giants pitcher doing that, but you know, 11 pitches in uh, under two and a half minutes uh, and from a th- third baseman coming into pitch is as immaculate as it gets. It's Pablo Sandoval pitching this inning. I, 
I loved the quote after the game when he was asked how he learned that curveball, curveball, and he said, "You don't learn that; you're born with it." <laughs> uh, Doug, what stood out to you about that? What's that? Uh, about I, the Pablo Sandoval pitching. That it was, that it was the only fun thing in that game. I, that like it, it made the entire game worthwhile. That was not a worthwhile game, by the way. Okay. Apologies to, to Alan Hansen, who homered okay. his first at bat of the year. But that, that the only reason that did not justify the game. Pablo Sandoval getting into a fifteen to six game and throwing an incredible inning is like, oh, good. I'm glad that game happened then, because you know what? <laughs> We got this out of it. I okay, agree. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a small caveat in there in that Derek Law getting his first major league hit and scoring a run on Alan Hansen's home run almost made the game worthwhile. But I agree, not quite. Uh, I think that that is a good number. That's like a solid number two, and maybe not even a distant number two of things that happened in that game because it's it's almost like if the Pablo thing hadn't have happened we might have been saying, we might all be saying, that's one of the most improbable things you'll ever see. Is Derek yeah. Law having to pitch and then get a hit and then score the run, et cetera, et cetera, on an Alan Hansen home run, which I want to get into Alan Hansen in a little bit because, my God, I didn't know he existed until Monday. I, <laughs> I'm sort of paid to know this. Um, so uh, he, but for me, what stood out was that I had forgotten, I remembered quickly that he warms up before each game basically pitching like long tossing but i had forgotten he was a switch pitcher so to me what was the exciting part was had a left-handed batter had there been there there was a left-handed batter had there been a situation he could have gone lefty lefty he could have he said uh someone said after the game that he wasn't uh planning on doing that because he had surgery on his left arm or his left hand at some point and he's still treating a little gingerly. Okay. But come July. So he didn't want to air it out. Come July, yeah. When he comes in in July as, as the seventh inning guy, he's, That's right. he's going to be a switch pitcher. So, you know, because I, I know you've heard me, you both heard me say this many times before. But I feel like switch pitching is the next innovation. It's the next thing to happen in baseball. Uh, I think he could have, it just would have been exciting. I don't, but... Everything that happened was as exciting as it could be. Like, I don't, I did not need that to be any more exciting than it was because it, it played out beautifully. He threw a 69 mile an hour pitch. We could not have asked for anything more. <laughs> it, the, 69, the 69 mile an hour curveball, by the way, was a tight, perfect curveball. It was, it was beautiful. Uh, I, I just want to just focus on the idea that. In the, under the ash, the pile of garbage, whatever you want to say about that game, the Giants did something they did not do at all last year, which was find something good about, you know, pulled something good out of something bad, which I think we'd all agree in life, but in certainly all the baseball we've watched, if that's the last inning of your game and you've got a, a doubleheader going on, going into it, I don't think Bruce Bochy necessarily planned this. But it worked out in a serendipitous way that the Giants had basically been sorely lacking for a year and a half, which is that it just worked out. It got everyone pumped up, and it worked out as an actual strategy. And and it, it had momentum is as great as your starting pitcher is the saying, as, your, as the next day starting pitcher, sure. But again, coming into the series, the Giants brass, everyone involved with both teams were like, this is going to suck. 
And then it did actually suck on the Saturday. <laughs> um, and somehow they all, there was just that moment uh, of like, oh, this isn't going to be as bad as it feels like it is. So. Oh, sure. Everyone's all excited about Pablo <laughs> pitching in the ninth of a blowout. But then when Pablo hits a walk off at the end of last season, everybody <laughs> complains. <laughs> You're right, Sammy. We really did. We really did true. ignore that. <laughs> no, it wasn't even. It wasn't even people ignored it. People were actively mad that he cost the team the first draft pick. <laughs> That's right. Because now we're just sitting here speculating about who they're going to get picked second. Who cares about that? Uh, <laughs> uh, but yes. So Pablo Sandoval is the early. He's the April hero almost single handedly. We might get into that later about who's the April hero because we're not going to record another one before the end of the month. So uh, the Giants also took two or three from Washington and they took two or three from Los Angeles, which we talked about. I'm going to say that uh, two of those three series wins are are really great. And the Nationals one is another is the bigger sign, though, that the Giants are better than we thought coming into the season. They're basically maybe possibly as good as we hoped they would be heading into the season. I'll say that because the Nationals are struggling and the Giants didn't play down to their level so much, except for the getaway game, of course, but uh, when they lost 15 to two, but the, you know, the Nationals are not at full strength and the Giants didn't play them like they weren't at full strength. They, they played to the top of their ability and, and they took, they took that series as well. You know, Los Angeles is really good, and they, they played them tough, and they played the Dodgers really tough. But I also think you play a team that's struggling, and then you struggle along with them. You give them the, the oh, we're struggling, but we still came through thing. That's something the 2017 Giants did all the time. They were the team yeah, that no, made the other 20, teams better. The 2017 Giants, it would be a bad team would roll into town, and they'd be, and the Giants would be like, oh, we're, we're right there with you. <laughs> it was, there was, there was absolutely no, like thought that oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna take advantage of that it was no we're gonna commiserate that's right that's right we're gonna relate to you (laughs) that's really impressive how you're doing that bad let's see how much worse we can do this i I wonder if we could do that (laughs) uh so five they were in the business of fixing bad teams what's that i said no they were in the business of fixing bad teams that's right that's right yep there's your problem you haven't played us yet (laughs) So in the two losses this week, uh, this past week, they surrendered 30 runs. So there's that. <laughs> Not ideal. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I don't really want to dwell on what happened with Stratton on Saturday. Uh, Stratton has been a really nice story. The draft class of 2012 has really come roaring into 2018 with the vengeance. And maybe <laughs> next time Rogers on, we'll talk about that and be like, what's happened? <laughs> Why are they all so mad and doing so well suddenly? Uh, I, I think, you know, people, the, the angry sports fan who wants to, who's just the drunk idiot that wants to rag on Chris Stratton for building a family, um, at this point, it, we don't need to entertain that, but it, it's also just, it's also just, he's never going to forget those. He's never going to forget one of the worst games he's ever had because of the birth of a second child. So there is like this funny connection between it, um, that I, I think is just amusing. It, it happened, and it's it's a baseball game. It doesn't matter. The birth of your child is way more important. But it's also funny that it's that that kid will when it, when the kid's doing you know poorly or, or is just doing something to tick off his dad. He's like, you know what? 
<laughs> that one well, start cost me. <laughs> well, to be fair, you know, he only gave up only gave up six runs. So you know, if the bullpen had held it together, he would. No, I'm sorry, I'm stretching. <laughs> so what you're saying is that 20 years from now, Derek Law will going to get a <laughs> or like Roberto Gomez is like never going to give that kid a birthday present. Cause be like, you cost me a contract. <laughs> I felt so bad for them after that game and obviously they had a rough game too and he, Stratton gave up six Gomez gave up three and Law gave up six is that math check out yeah um, but it's like there, they knew there was no help coming it's like one of those you know battles in the movies where it's like you know that they're all gonna die but they're gonna fight until they do Oh, and the worst part was it was one of those movies, but they didn't even get to just like stand and watch the explosion, the shockwave approach them. They were they were actively being stabbed and shit on while it was happening and they still weren't dying. Like that's what made the game so miserable. The Giants were willing to give it away. It just took a very long time to give it away. Very painful giveaway. (laughs) But it's over now, everyone. The Giants still won the series. And uh, 14 and 14, uh, I think in the comments of the recap, you know, it's mentioned like, I don't think we need to rush to say this is a good team because they're 500 at the end of April. But I, I, as I will mention here, if you're listening to this and going, ah, they're 500, who cares? Like that doesn't make them a good team. I'm contextualizing in two ways. Uh, they did not have a winning month all of last season. And I'm not even sure they had a 500 month last season. I could be wrong on that. They did not. Okay, they didn't even have a 500-month season. And in fact, they have to win tonight. We're releasing the podcast on Monday, April 30th. They have to actually win tonight to secure a winning month for the first time since June of 2016, which is ridiculous. So at least on those levels, they're much better off than they have been. But in the other context, the second context, and that is plenty of teams that have done well have had slow Aprils. And you would rather the Giants have a slow April where they're at or slightly below 500 than when they're six games under. You know what I mean? Like, it's better to be in this position than being the other ones. They're much closer to their goal this way. Yeah, they're not 16 and, oh, do some math, Brian. They're not 16 and 12. (laughs) Um, But they are certainly in a better position. And you have to also factor in Jeff Samarja is not at full strength. They didn't have him for most of the month. Johnny Cueto was actually on the disabled list at some point this month. Uh, they didn't have Mac Williamson, who's now back on the concussion DL, which we'll get into in a second. And, you know, Hunter Pence struggled for most of the month. Andrew McCutcheon saved two hits has really been nothing uh, special. You know, Evan Longoria was absent for half the month, essentially, with his bat. Austin Jackson's had one hit. Right? It was that hit on Saturday night that, that, that broke the game open for the Giants. Like, that was the only hit he's had the entire month. You know, Brandon Belt was benched five times this month for striking out and, and is ending the month on a hot streak and is one of their best hitters. And, you know, it's Chris Stratton had one bad start the whole month. Johnny Cueto, all of the starts have basically been excellent. Um, the bullpen has been stellar. But basically, you know, and they haven't had Madison Bumgarner, I'm, I'm, I'm failing to mention. So there's been a lot of ups and downs, and yet through all that, they're 500. That's, that's great. That's, that's good. That's actually a sign of a good team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the, the 2,000 Giants were three games under 500 in April, so this team's going to finish at least two games better than that team. 
Um, that's Which just tells you all you need to know, right? They're just, they're that, better than that team. <laughs> that team won 97 games, so this the, these Giants are guaranteed to win at least 99 games. Um, you can't you can't argue with math. <laughs> Well, and I, I think it's important to, like, remember, like, what the expectations were once the injuries started coming in is, like, the best we could really hope for was for them to shred water and come out at 500. And that's exactly what they did. So I think that's promising. I I think going forward, obviously, Joe Panic going down. Mac Williamson now in a concussion situation from a very scary – if you didn't see it – uh, it was scary. He battled the bullpen mound and tripped and then rolled and slammed the back of his head, the back of his neck against uh, the uh, the wall on the third baseline. And yeah, maybe we can dedicate some time at some point uh, in a future podcast to, I don't know, not having the bullpen mounds on the field <laughs> anymore. Or maybe some more, uh, we hear more about the coaches saying, yeah, we're just telling our guys not to chase the ball in that area. And I, I would also throw out there, maybe the Giants, do you think the Giants have been extremely lucky or, or simply, or is it, is it the result of luck or is it the result of intelligence that in the entire history of the park, there's really been like, there's been three bad injuries related to those bullpen mounts. I know there's Dustin Moore and Mac Williamson, and I feel like there was one for a visiting team and I can't remember who it was. Yeah, that seems that seems about right. Um, I I think it's not that big of a deal usually. You know, you you can go years without seeing anyone really get hurt there, but when you do, suddenly you're like, oh, should we do something about it? Um, but my instinct is that there are very few balls that are hit in the exact wrong way that someone has to sprint over there at full speed, doesn't really have time to take account to you know take take the the bullpen mound into account while they go full full out for the ball, there's also like a ball they can catch. But when it does happen, it's, you start thinking, well, yeah, maybe maybe this is not worth it. I pointed this well, out too. Oh, go ahead, Sammy. Well, there's been plenty of times where it hasn't resulted in a major injury, but there's been plenty of times where people have taken bad falls. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a hazard. I promise I'm not blaming this on the person who was injured. I do want to point out, one and one A about Mac Williamson. I think that play doesn't happen if he's not playing as well as he's been playing. <laughs> because I think when you're playing with confidence, you have the shield. You know, you're not you're not thinking about the problems that could happen, and you're thinking you can do things. And he's all you know. You're thinking you can do a lot of stuff. And I think he's comfortable enough in that situation, that part of the outfield, and on balls like that, that it just. It was just one of those things where maybe he he was at 95 or 100% going towards that. And if this was another time where maybe he scuffled out the box, he's at 75% or maybe 85% of hustle. And it's that extra 10% that, I don't know, however, you, we've, we saw the, the inches with the Dodgers. Your, your foot falls the wrong way, you're falling off the mound. You know, you're positioned slightly differently on defense, the ball gets right past you. So who knows? I, I'm just saying, man, it, and this gets in my 1A. Mac Williamson, for one, is he, if he's confident, maybe he doesn't get hurt. Not confident, maybe he doesn't get hurt. But because he was confident, he, maybe he sprinted into the injury, which leads into my 1A. Why is it whenever he's doing well, he gets hurt? <laughs> I just, well, first off, I just want to say I actually don't agree with the premise of that. I think 
if he was playing badly, if he was, you know, not hitting, he would be going even more all out on defense to prove that he should still be playing. I feel like that's, that's, the door is open for that. So he might be more likely to hurt himself. He might be more Maybe. likely to, to, you know, do that or Jarrett Parker himself into a wall. So, um, I, I, so I'm projecting then because what I'm projecting is while I'm doing poorly, I, I sure as hell I'm not going to then go and injure myself. Right. I, <laughs> That's I what like I would be thinking. I would be like, I'm not going to get hurt on top of being shitty. So no, I think like, I'm doing poorly. I better show them that I'm working my ass off so I don't get sent to Sacramento. Right, because imagine if he wasn't hitting well and everyone would be like, well, why isn't he going harder on defense? Yeah, like if he wasn't going yeah. well, people would be like, whoa, Gorky's Hernandez is coming in late innings for defense. He should be there in early innings too. Am I right? And they'd high-five someone who doesn't really agree, but you can't just leave someone hanging for a high-five. Sure okay. you can. All right, so then it just gets to my 1A. <laughs> why does this keep happening whenever he gets hurt? <laughs> or when he's playing well. He, he had that uh, stretch... You know, in 2016, I believe, where he played for that extended period of time, I feel like this, it was the stretch. He, and then he got hurt for that one, right? I think that's what it was. I definitely yeah. remember in one of his call-ups when he did well for a stretch. That Yeah, that was that was 2016. It was, yeah. um, it was when he had that amazing double off Andrew Miller that everyone still talks about. The end of that stretch, he got hurt. Right. And that was for diving for a... a a ball in the outfield that was in fair territory, right? I do not I remember. Like, what... I feel like that's what it was. Anyway, but yeah, it's a shame that that keeps happening. Uh, whatever Mac Williamson, we've seen the uh, the adjustments he's made to his swing. Jeff Sullivan's article on Fangraphs really, really does show the Justin Turner overdriveness of that uh, of that swing change. Um, he's not Justin Turner though because he doesn't look horrendous and he doesn't stand on the plate. So I'm for it. It doesn't bother me then. And if it and, erases the memory of Justin Turner from my mind, that's fine. <laughs> and also, I mean, I'm not sure. I feel like I've said this before. I, I don't think it was on the podcast. He's also physically the opposite of Justin Turner because nobody ever wants to look at Justin Turner. But you can't <laughs> take your eyes off Mac Williamson. Mac Williamson is what Justin Turner becomes when a princess kisses Justin Turner. <laughs> <laughs> And so now he's on the DL. So there we go. And and obviously we wish him well. Concussions are scary. They're scary. That's the main thing. I was going to say they're tricky in the baseball sense, but really they're scary. And that his health is the most important thing. And certainly well, we want him to come back quickly. But and there safely. was the weird rule where I guess he now they can't retroactively DL him for the concussion because they sent down Slater on Friday night and then had to bring him back up the next day and he hadn't been down long enough. So now they can't retroactively DL Williamson, which is so weird. Right. I, I remember seeing that a little bit. So, I mean, that's because, you know, teams will take advantage of that somehow if they can. Um, yeah. Especially because I, I would imagine the concussion DL sort of gets a – it probably they're not they're strict with it, but not in the sense of of to the extent that you could work through it. You know what I mean? You could convince them that someone needs to go on the DL for a concussion, and so because of that, probably there are other rules that make it stricter to abuse the the additional rules that. Yeah, I mean that's what I, I that's what I would think. I would think actually by design, it's pretty easy to put someone on the concussion DL because you really want to make completely sure with concussions you don't play them. And so that's that would be my guess as to why. It's um, to incentivize teams to put them on the DL immediately. 
Yeah, because you don't like you know the Giants let Williamson hang on the roster for two days after he he maybe had a concussion. Well, they're like, no, just put him on right now, and he'll be back in a week. And well, so the right. Giants like, didn't do that. What, what was weird to me was that if they had not uh, sent down Slater Friday night and only to call him up the next day, then they could have brought William. They could have retroactively dealed him. It's the fact that uh, Slater never actually played any games when he got sent down. That's why he has. To, they have to do it the day that they announced it, and now he can't come back till Saturday. Well, that's what, and that's what I was saying. Or I, Doug phrased so it perfectly. Like it's, it's easy to put them on there, but you can't play. It's hard to play around with it. No, no, I, I understand that. I, I guess the weirdness is if it had been any other player that they had used in a corresponding move, then oh, it I see. Yeah, it's just the fact that they called Slater back up the next day. So Slater was tearing it up in AAA, and, and maybe, uh, Doug, you could give us some insight, because I know you tend to see them a little bit. It, it hasn't quite translated. He didn't quite come up and kill it over a three-game stretch or two-game stretch. But what is he doing anything in particular that, that stands out, or just like, no, nope, he's seen pitches and hitting them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just he's just doing things good hitters do. He's driving balls into the gap. He... Uh... He wasn't hitting – I don't think he, he had any home runs until very recently. But there was a lot of, you know, right center field, left center field, squaring balls up, hitting them on kind of lines that I'm sure is what the Giants really want to see from him. He's not the the power guy. You know, he's not – not that he doesn't have power, but he doesn't have the massive natural power that, that Mac has or Jarrett Parker has. I don't know why I'm talking about Jarrett Parker so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, the ghost of Jarrett that, Parker. Yes. The, the ghost of Jarrett Parker, just hanging out somewhere. Uh, but I think that he was do, he was hitting the ball the way that the team wanted him to do it, which is as kind of a gap to gap line drive guy. And I, 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 if I had to guess that, then I would guess that's what they saw. Well, hopefully he can get it going again because he'll probably get a little bit more playing time over the next week, but. It would also help if the Giants, uh, the the ones they're paying millions of dollars to, if they got it going as well, uh, McCutcheon and Jackson. And we're already seeing Longoria going. Uh, one person they're not play, paying millions of dollars to, which we should talk about before we fully move on into what's going on ahead, and that is Ty Block being a Dodger, uh, not Slayer, Dodger Restrainer, Dodger Controller. Dodger dominatrix, Dodger, <laughs> Dodger subduer, do, uh, Dodger comptroller. I don't know. So there, Ty, Ty Block has pitched extremely well against the Dodgers and basically not that great against everyone else in his career. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Right. If you have to pick one team. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Um, I, I see, I mentioned this in the recap yesterday, and so this is what I'm, this is just what I'm seeing. I see, he just pitches with confidence. Like he, he's sharp enough, but not sharper. His pitches are not necessarily better than when he's pitching against other teams. I don't know if the sequencing is, if he's got a script going against the Dodgers because he gets with their hitters are able to do if he's just more focused because it's the Dodgers and he can hit his spots. I mean, he doesn't have great stuff. His whole, it's all cunning and guile for him. Yeah. And, and in any case, and against the Dodgers, he seems to have the, that extra little bit of cunning and guile. 
plucked. I think if you uh, will. Kirk and call it ownage. Ownage, sure. But what is he <laughs> ownage? Yeah, ownage is ownage, I believe. Yeah. Oh, yes. of course. <laughs> but I mean, he's attacking hitters inside. He struck out uh, Yasmani Grandal with a fastball at 91 miles an hour. And that's a pitch that any other hitter would mostly crush. I, you know, Grandal batting right-handed, maybe not as good as when he's hitting left-handed, but, you know, it was just above the hands, just barely. And he got it in just enough to really get into that that hole in the swing but the confidence to even attack a hitter like that later in the game, I believe it was in the sixth inning, uh, just even doing that is sort of um, impressive. And it's surprising. And it's, you know, he's not throwing a better curveball against the Dodgers than he's throwing it against other teams. But he's maybe just throwing it in different counts than he usually would. Maybe he's just able to get ahead of them better. In any case, uh, tie block being the the... <laughs> He's basically the the missile that the Giants can truck out. I'm trying to think of a mystical weapon. I got nothing. But he's basically this mystical weapon they can trot out whenever the Dodgers roll into town. And and I tend to think that that is charming. <laughs> because this is uh, baseball. This didn't work this way. And it's working exactly this way. <laughs> yeah, he's what? Aragorn's ghost army? There we go. <laughs> I mean, he's he's yeah. I mean, I don't want to get into the Marvel thing. I can't. I can't think of what he is. He's an. He's a. He's he would be he's an Infinity evil. Stone. I don't know. Yeah, but it's a little surprising that the Dodgers opted not to shuffle it around and make sure Kershaw pitched in the series, not because he would be going up against Ty Block, but it would be funny if it was because Ty Block was pitching <laughs> in the series, but because the Giants have almost always. They almost always face the Dodgers, and the Dodgers make it that way because they know the Giants just can't hit Kershaw. So Kershaw being the best pitcher on the planet still, in my estimation, him being trotted out for every one of these series doesn't have the same charm or pluckiness or kind of just jokiness of the block thing. But it is essentially the same thing, which means that the Giants have their own Clayton Kershaw. So they don't need to okay. sign him. <laughs> I mean, before before going even before that, when when Madison Bumgarner's playing, the Kershaw starts are a little bit more fun because you have the Madison Bumgarner. Is he going to homer off of Kershaw today? The answer is usually yes. Right. <laughs> you do have that extra thing. Um, all right. I just had to get the tie block in there because Sammy did a fantastic job of putting together a rundown, and she included that, and I have not segued into that at all. Uh, let's look at let's look ahead real quick. Let's do our picks to click. Uh, let's review that right now. Let's just do that right now because I I want to get into this week real quick. Um, I don't remember who had it. I think Sammy won again though. I Doug, had, you didn't get to pick. So. No. I who did, did you pick? That, that's just as well because boy, I have not nailed it when I picked. <laughs> well, it's two one zero. Right? No, wait. Sammy won again, so it's three one zero. So who was this week? I'm sorry, four. If four. I won- Week. Yeah, because I got two for um, Evan Longoria. Uh, Evan Longoria. That's why I gave you the two, and then you won again. I didn't give you two again. I won Brandon Belt, and then did that, I which was one. Brandon? I only gave you one for that. You said I, I should get two, and said I said no, I, you get one. You said if I won this week, I got three. I'm like, so that's what I mean. I'm at four. Okay, so that's what I mean. You got four. You have four. Okay. So well, who, did I win? Who did you pick? I don't even remember. Uh, it wasn't anyone memorable, though. I picked Brandon Crawford, and he did get his first home run, and he has been hitting a little better. 
No, you should not win just because no, you don't get to <laughs> you win. Said I win. Won. <laughs> Hold on, I don't remember who I picked, but you know what? Since I don't remember who I picked, I'm not going to dispute it. So, <laughs> but again, I'm I'm a week late. I picked Pablo Sandoval the week before. Right, but that doesn't or a week count. early. It but doesn't count. I'm just saying I picked I picked I the only one I got right was the first one. I got Joe Panic, and I picked Brandon Belt, and that was then the, became the week Brandon Belt got killed. And then you picked him, and then that was the week he got hot. I picked Pablo Sandoval that week, and he did nothing. And then this was the week where he, he had the best inning in the history of baseball, and I get nothing for it. Nothing! Uh, did I pick Posey, maybe? I, no, I, I said we can't pick Posey. And I wouldn't have picked Longoria, so I don't know. But, all right, I guess Sammy wins. I mean, I guess unless we want to sit here and pause and go and listen, but, nah, who cares? Sammy won. Sammy has a commanding four-one-zero lead right now. Let's let's look ahead. The Dodgers are, are gone, so it's the Padres, and uh, it's the Padres. And who else is this week? And it, the, now we're in the stretch where the Giants don't have. They have plenty of off days. Who was who was I reading about rambling about their off days? They have an off day on Thursday. They're playing the Padres and the Braves this week, which is what a first of all what a miserable week. <laughs> I guess the Braves have Acuna and they have Freddie Freeman and they they have some players of note, but ugh, it's in Atlanta, which is also worse. Well, okay. it's better to go to Atlanta now than in the summer. Yeah, good point. It's a good point, Doug. All right, so all right, who? Sammy, you won. You're up first. Uh, come back to me. I I, I got to figure <laughs> out who needs. I got to figure out who needs the luck. Who needs the spark? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna. I'm going to pick uh, McCutcheon. Maybe I picked him last week. I think you did. Yeah, I'm, I'm picking him again. Okay. I almost picked Gorky's Hernandez because I really wanted to write an article about Gorky's Hernandez, but then he didn't have any hits this weekend, and that, that knocked it out. But he had been playing pretty well in his spot time up until this weekend, and I, to the point where I was going to be like, maybe the reason why he's sticking around is because the Giants see that he has some use for them. He still does have use for them, obviously, but you know people keep wondering why is Gorky's on the roster, and I feel like he keeps proving just enough why he's the fifth outfielder. It's perfectly fine that he's the fifth outfielder. So I'm not picking him though. I'm picking McCutcheon again. <laughs> okay, I'm picking Alan Hansen. He uh, he got called up from Sacramento. He was great in Sacramento, uh, and I'm gonna curse him by picking him instead of whoever Sammy picks. Well, that makes it really interesting because I was going to pick Kelby Tomlinson. Oh, we have a fight. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, so with Hanson, do you have any idea of if he's – is he like a genuinely good switch hitter? I mean, he had a 409 on base percentage in Sacramento. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I, I wonder if he is going to be – because the Giants very recently had, um, had a switch hitting middle infielder who didn't do all that great. I'm thinking of, of Abreu, of Tony Abreu, but that's not actually the guy I want to say, but that is the one I'm thinking of right now. So I guess, is Alan Hansen better than Tony Abreu is the question we will find in the coming weeks and months. I think because Doug picked Alan Hansen, I'm going to take Kelby off the table and I'm going to go with Austin Jackson. I feel like he's starting to starting to turn it around. With oh, okay. I'm, I'm glad you're going to get him going, Sammy. That's yeah. important to the team. Yeah. One hit in 100 plate appearances. He I think that's good. He's had more than one hit. He had two hits in Saturday night's game. It's, it's, 
It's uh, the most impressive part of Austin Jackson's season so far has been that he's had the worst plate appearances. He's had worse plate appearances than Brandon Crawford. Brandon Crawford has had no good plate appearances this year and is striking out at an alarmingly high rate. But Austin Jackson is actually outclassing him in both categories. (laughs) But now Sammy's gotten him going. All right. Okay. I don't think I really got Crawford going, though. I think I just won by default. So maybe I should stick with Crawford. Uh, are either of you noticing anything about Crawford? I just feel like he's giving yes. away at-bats. So he, I noticed in Saturday night's game that he had, he came up with two runners on in two different uh, two different plate appearances with two outs. And he swung on the first pitch and just hit into, like, really easy outs. And so I don't know if that's, like, a long longer going theme but that's something that stood out to me it's like kind of like maybe take a pitch wait for your pitch (laughs) well he did come up through the giants organization i don't know if (laughs) i don't know if he's ever going to think that but yeah i don't i it doesn't look like he changes his swing for any situation or his approach for any situation or it just looks like he's giving away at bats i'm not even going to try to psychologically understand it just what it looks like he doesn't look like he's going like he's doing it. It doesn't look like he's doing anything when he's up there. Like you want Austin Jackson's struggling, which is all he's done. It looks like he's, I'm not saying Brandon Crawford isn't trying. I'm just saying Brandon Crawford is approaching in the plate. Like how he talks. It's one monotone, unchanging, <laughs> unbreaking approach to the, to the at bat. Austin Jackson looks like he's like, I got to try to hit this inside pitch. I got to try to hit that outside pitch. I got to try to hit this pitch that's above my eyes. I got to try to hit this ball in the dirt that bounced five feet in front of home plate. Like he's, you see what he's, you know what I mean? Like he's anxious in there or he's, he's trying to figure it out. And Brandon Crawford's just, it's the same long swing over pitches, over the pitch, over the pitch, away from the pitch. Like it doesn't matter. So I, I don't know, but he's so valuable on defense. It, it really doesn't actually matter, I don't think. Like, if the rest of the lineup gets going and Brandon Crawford's going to strike out 300 times this year, which feels like he's on... Well, he's on pace for... He's striking out 30% of the time, so he's not going to do that. But <laughs> he's going to strike out a lot. <laughs> he's on pace to strike out quite a bit. Uh, I, I, I think the Giants will take that because, I mean, provided his 31-year-old body does not slow his defense down one millimeter he'll be fine yeah i mean i obviously he's gonna stick around in the lineup and everything basically unless he completely falls apart defensively and, well what are you gonna do put kelby tomlin's in there i mean they would if you'd picked him for this week it had <laughs> <some choice. laughs> uh, hey, tomlinson had some nice plays when pablo did. pitched <laughs> <laughs> it's true he's backing up the best he had some nice plays in the night night game too he turned that um uh, double play with Crawford and Belt really nicely. So you could almost th- you could almost pretend Panic was still there. <laughs> all right, we're all set then. We got our we got our people. That's good. Um, one thing I'm excited about this week is Andy Suarez coming back up to start. It could go spectacularly wrong, but he had such a great start that we didn't even talk about it. But, you know, I'm talking about we meaning the Giants, the the collective community the the beat reporters whatever it feels like it didn't it got glossed over and didn't get brought up really again and maybe it didn't need to but it also feels like 
you know, we're all guilty of this. The baggerlies of the world, we're all guilty of this. Like only bringing up, dredging up the bad stuff that keeps happening instead of why not asking like, why isn't Andy Suarez up here every other day? Well, I think think the issue at the time was because he and Beatty both made their starts back to back and then he was immediately sent down because, you know, Beatty pitched first, so they would need him again first. So it was kind of like he was here and gone so fast. Doug, do you think the Giants, if not regret, maybe go or rethought that can that uh, decision real quickly, based on how well uh, Suarez pitched? Or, or, I, or yeah, so my guess would be that they had kind of made a pretty much, they they had kind of had to guess before which of them would be better because of the way that the, the timing, the rotation worked out, and they guessed it'd be Beatty, and then Beatty wasn't really good in either of his starts, but. They couldn't throw Suarez on three days rest for a second start. So it was kind of at that point as well, what are you going to do? But I'm sure they must have watched Suarez's start. And, you know, Suarez showed a lot more in his start than Beatty did in either of his. And so I'm sure they were like, well, we guessed wrong. But, you know, it's a guess. (laughs) You you can't be too mad at them for not getting that right. There there were red flags that both players. uh, And they they got it wrong. But what are you going to do? And it might be a little less guessing than when they pitched last in the minors before they got called up. And it could have just been a matter of timing. I think they they had set up the rotation for BD to take that start. They'd set up uh, BD's minor league start in uh, in San Jose pretty specifically. So he would be able to do that. So, I mean, it was honestly, I guess it was even a guess before the season started. Um, (laughs) And at that point, I mean, no, that's, that's what they had to do because they were so short on pitchers. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that it would have been unfair to expect them to see coming. And so at that point, you know, you do your best. I think, you know, the way the Padres have played the Giants the last last season and already this season, they've just beaten the Giants' brains in. You know, I can see that start for Suarez going very poorly very quickly. But I'm very excited because I think you come up and <laughs> – you, you don't walk anybody and you strike out seven. I, I think that's really impressive, <laughs> especially, you know, I it just I'm not used to a Giants pitcher doing that when they call when they get called up. Usually there's some walks in there and there's some wonky control and he just never looked like he was overwhelmed by the situation. And I would expect against the Padres, which is, you know, very young, talented team that it's still they're still in the ballpark of the com- competition he's been facing that he should be able to hold his own against them, I would hope. But it's baseball, and Ty blocks Clayton Kershaw against the Dodgers. So who knew? Um, all right, so let's thing, get your uh, – go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, one thing we didn't get to was that Madison Bumgarner is getting very close to be, to throwing again. Well, there was. is it true, or are they hoping to get confirmation that he can go ahead and throw? Um. I- that's a good point. Uh, the last I saw was that they were hoping that he would be cleared to throw um, by, what, the first? That sounds about right. Uh, I still think it's going to be June, what is it, June 1st or right after Memorial Day that they'll have him come back? Well, yeah, but throwing was the first step of getting him yeah. back. Because then I think it, they wanted him to be throwing for a couple of weeks and then start rehab. So uh, It'll be, I mean, yeah, obviously this week is... Now that you mention it this way, we should probably phrase it as this is a very important week for the uh, for Madison Bumgarner and therefore for the Giants. Uh, yes, on the field, it's very important how they perform against two teams that they should 
be able to hold their own against. And also, if they're going to get, if they're going to make any noise in July, August, September, they're going to need Bumgarner back. And we'll know this week if that's a possibility. I mean, that would be quite a bit of bad luck if they lose Panic, Williamson, and definitively are not going to have, you know, if there's some setback with Bumgarner all in the same, like within the 72-hour, 96-hour window, that would be, that'd be rough. Like you're asking for bad luck right now. <laughs> what, hey, it's what I do. No, yeah. We didn't even not. talk about, we didn't even talk about Jeff Smarge's start. Uh, I wanted to, the first start, I was like, that's, that was a great start given all, the situation. The second start was kind of what I expected. <laughs> was actually what, what probably should have happened in the first start. So do we take anything away from the Samarja start or we just go, man, I hope he gets better? The second one. Yeah. Just, he had a short rehab set, so just, you know, I hope he gets up to full speed. I did want to ask Doug about, um, did you see Hunter Pence this weekend? I did. Uh, I saw him on Saturday night. He, he got one hit. It was not an impressive hit. It was kind of a just a ground ball that, you know, Sometimes not especially well hit ground balls find holes. It was just one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, he he struck out and he reached on an error. And he looked he he looked pretty good in right field. He, you know he was pretty much max effort out there. Uh, but he doesn't look especially great offensively right now. Well, that seems uh, par for the course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to your Twitter questions. We ask your Twitter questions every week at Mick Croncast. And uh, the question, first question I see is from Chowder at Yeah, like the soup. <laughs> and the question is, if Brandon Belt was a prospect, would Bochi play him over Hunter Pence? So I guess that's if Brandon Belt were a left field prospect, let's say. If he were Mac Williamson, maybe. <laughs> uh, would Bochi play him over Hunter Pence? You know what, Chowder? I feel like we already know the answer to this question because that's it's almost exactly what's already happening. I still think Brandon Belt's being treated like a prospect by Bruce Bochy. <laughs> uh, I think him being benched five times in the first month of the season because he strikes out on borderline pitches is indicates that Brandon Belt... We're getting him back into the Belt Wars. Brandon Belt gets treated differently than the other hitters on the team. I would That's like to it. point out Brandon Belt has the third most played appearances on the team. So uh, I think we can calm down with that. <laughs> he, I'm just saying it It did happen, though, in the first month of the season. I'm, I'm not saying that that's, you know, he's playing well, but I'm just saying he got, he does get treated differently than other players. I don't think he does. I think that, you know, Bochi has sort of he's not looking right or, or something. Or I want to get these other guys to, you know, maintain what they were doing in spring training. I don't think it has to do with Belt. I think we're, we're, we as a fan base are probably, as the Belt, pro Belt fan base, are probably way too like, so what's Brandon Belt doing right now? How does this affect Brandon Belt? I don't think that they're thinking about Brandon Belt all that specifically. That's kind of my take on it. Okay. Well, that's wrong, but we'll move on. Uh, Andrew Bader at Andrew underscore B underscore Bader asks, who are the Giants' best and worst tippers? This is using some imagination here. We could guess. We don't have any inside knowledge. I don't have any inside knowledge on this. But I think you could – I'm going to throw out who I think is one of the best tippers. 
and I would say Hunter Pence. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say Barry Bonds was probably one of the worst tippers in the history of the organization. (laughs) He was. He's trying to make up for it now, I bet. I bet now he'll go to a nice restaurant and people will see him there and he'll tip 40% or something. But back when he was playing, no. No way. Barry Bonds now, though, goes overboard and and, uh, the maitre d' comes over and says, oh, your meal's been paid. And like, oh... Who? Well, this is nice. And like, yes, that gentleman over there paid for it. And you look over, and it's Barry Bonds, and he waves. He goes, "Thank you." And he goes, "You're welcome. I bought the restaurant just now." Like, <laughs> he just Bruce Wayne's every situation, and everyone's like, "Oh, you didn't have to go overboard there." All right. <laughs> I feel like, and this is based purely on his movie reviews. I feel like Brandon Belt's probably a critical tipper. Like he's like a critical, as in a, a bad as tipper, he- or like. Well, critical is in like he's the guy that maybe doesn't take the money and put it on the table, but he's keeping track. <laughs> I, I can also see Belt being the one where it's like you're only tipping him a dollar, and he's like, "They just brought me a bottle that was already in the fridge. They didn't serve me anything that was made." <laughs> <laughs> I bet I'm just gonna say I, I bet Derek Holland is a great tipper. Yeah, he seems like someone who would you know he. He, he doesn't want to be noticed for it, but he wants to make sure he takes care of these guys. You know, he's a good guy. He wants to give a I'm shot. Gonna, I'm going to go with he's he's been the tallest guy in every room he's ever been in, and he knows he can't hide. So he's <laughs> had to learn how to be a good tipper. Because <laughs> they know they'll say, oh, that tall asshole didn't tip me. <laughs> and uh, well, here's, a, here's what we like, yeah. last year. That's right. Uh, let me throw this little wrinkle out there. Which minor league uh, or, you know, Low, uh, like a call-up, bench player, triple-A guy, uh, tips beyond his means. Like, shouldn't be tipping as much as he does. He tips, you know, the full 20 25% every time, maybe buys people's food every now and again. Just not smart with his money because of generosity. Mac. You think Mac's blowing it out? I don't know. He just seems <laughs> like a nice guy. <laughs> Oh. I'm I'm all about Gorky's. Gorky's, okay. And and I think Gregor Blanco maybe when he was making the minimum, or was a minor leaguer. I'm I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say Chris Shaw. If if you've ever met Chris Shaw, he's like he's like a talk show host. Like he's so charming and delightful, and uh, <laughs> and so I think that he just he just wouldn't be able to help himself. Uh, that's a good one, uh, Derek Law. I would nominate as someone who spends way too much on first dates. <laughs> like he goes way too far to try to impress on the first date uh, with in terms of what they do and where they go instead of just being himself isn't he married is he well yeah, then I'll have to pick some then I bet that's what he did for his first date. <laughs> that's how he got the gal <laughs> all right Andrew Bader has another question which I think is also a good one which Giants player has read a book most recently 100%. now Hunter Pence. <laughs> no, he, well, okay. he reads a lot. But my question is, is it like a Warhammer strategy guide? <laughs> he reads, he's, I, I don't know. I just, because I watch his wife's YouTube channel. So he reads a lot of like, you know, uh, not self-help, but, you know, self-improvement things and that kind of stuff. Am I the only person who, when someone says, have you read any books lately, is thinking fiction? Or am I alone on this? Or... 
Well, okay. So, so I feel like I feel, I feel like he would have read nonfiction, but not that. I, I bet he's read like Guns, Germs, and Steel within the last year. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna call it right now. <laughs> I think these are the answers we need to to have. This is this is these are the questions we need to know. Because <laughs> the questions are always, what's your favorite book? But like, what's the one you last read? Yes, I want to know. <laughs> I bet I bet Sam Dyson's read a book recently. I bet he likes Do- to hang out, read a book, and curl up with Snuckles. <laughs> <laughs> my my thought on Sam Dyson is he would be the one I'd be most surprised by to be the most Zen like Buddhist like. <laughs> like I think he's the one that does the transcendental meditation. Out of all the, I, I guess Hunter Pence is the actual one who does transcendental meditation, right? Yes. So, besides him, who else on the team might do that? Mm. That I, I'm, I for some reason I'm going with Dyson. That's I'll say nice. this: Corey Garin. No, <laughs> that's a good joke. Hey. <laughs> Corey Garin looks like a paranoid Barry Zito. Like. <laughs> He even with the beard, like Barry Zito became a hoarder and just <laughs> like became a shut in, and it's Corey Garrett now. He moved to a cab um, in Kentucky and stopped shaving because razors are made by, by corporations. <laughs> I think Corey Garrett's paranoid because he doesn't know where the ball's going, <laughs> so he can't control. He's like, he's like, they're always leaving guys on base for me. <laughs> he, he doesn't know who's responsible for it, but he's afraid of it. The man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here. I can't even read this. This is such a long handle. I don't even know. Uh, but this is a long time first time. So we've got to do it. At Multiphasic. Is this Multiphasic from the comment section? Yes. Hi, Multiphasic. Oh, hi, Multiphasic. Hi, guys. Long time listener. First time caller. Which Giants <laughs> position player from the SF area do you most wish you, most wish you could have seen pitch? Sheerholt. position pl- <laughs> <laughs> Which position player do you wish you could have seen dramatically out of position, i.e. infielder and the outfielder, outfielder and the infield, Pedro Feliz as the catcher? And then there's actually a follow-up question. The last is, uh, which current Giants position player would you most want to order a delicious concession from, and what concession would they be making? This is the most important. I'll be, <laughs> this is the most important. I'll be grading your replies. I'll take my <laughs> answers off the air. It's a good two-tweet uh, sequence there, multiphasic. Uh, let's start with the first one. Doug answered the first one. He wants to see Nate Sherholtz. I can't think of anyone else in the SF era I'd, I'd want to see pitch. No one else is coming to mind. Brandon Belt. Sean, Brandon Belt? Yeah. yeah, okay. Did Sean Dunstan pitch? Uh, not with the Giants. Because wasn't the whole thing with Sean Dunstan that he just he throws like 98 miles an hour from shortstop to first or some, yeah, has some like ridiculous velocity? Spectacular arm. Yeah. So I would have liked to have seen him Felix Rodriguez it up there where he just throws 15 fastballs in an inning and somehow gets through it. Uh, like 98 mile an hour fastballs and gets through it. Uh, which position player dramatically out of position? The Pedro Fleas at catcher thing is really hard to top. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I would have liked to have seen Tim Lincecum play any other position. I think that would have been funny because he was so small. Well, which position player do you wish you could have seen out of position now? Oh, is, was it specifically position player out of position? Yeah, yeah oh. it was. Yeah. Okay, sorry. 
Uh, I have a not a tie. I just have two. Bonds at first, Posey at third. Oof. Uh, honestly, my answer is probably Sherholtz at third again, because uh, for a, for a very long time it was kind of a recurring thing on McCabe Chronicles. People were like, what if we move Sherholtz to third? And I was like, stop, stop doing that. So you know what? Now I wish they had, because I would have liked to see it. I would have liked to know. I would have liked to have that peace of mind of knowing if I was incredibly right or if uh, or if it was just a blip. And I was still right, but like he didn't. He didn't show up, but I was definitely still right. Everyone calm down. I was right. Those are, those are the Nate, two options. Uh, one thing about Nate Sherholtz pitching that I forgot to mention when you said it was very likely he would have pitched without a glove. Because <laughs> that oh, shirt didn't wear batting gloves. Favorite thing. <laughs> uh, let's see. Sammy, do you have a uh, – oh, wait. Go ahead, Doug. Sammy, do you have a position player you want to see out of position? Yeah. No, I was already on the concessions one. Okay. Would you most want well, to order a concession? Yeah. You want Brandon Belt to sell you. We no. all know. I would, you know what? The only one I would trust is Hunter Pence with a coffee. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he would, <laughs> he he would do well. that. He would, you don't want he Pablo would. Sandoval making a Ghirardelli Sunday? Uh. <laughs> sure. The thing about Pablo making a Ghirardelli Sunday is that it would be a, it would, it would not look good, but it would be amazing. But then part of it would taste like his hand. There's no way that's not the case. It would absolutely I didn't like... order a Ghirardelli Sunday from Pablo, though. <laughs> I ordered a coffee from Hunter Ben. <laughs> well, too bad. Pablo Sandoval's right there, and he's sliding one over to you. <laughs> and you're eating it to be polite, and it tastes like his hand. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to say I'd order a funnel cake from Nick Hunley. Because I think backup catchers love funnel cakes. Uh, I want, I want, uh, let's see. Let's see. Oh, I should have had an answer for this. Now I, I feel really dis. You know what? I want Buster Posey to just hurl some peanuts at me. <laughs> and uh, and I want to be holding. You don't get to eat the peanuts, that's they right. just hurt you. And then you say thank you and leave. <laughs> You, right. you pay $12 for Buster Posey to throw peanuts at you. By the way, they never leave the bag when they hit me. They just leave a bruise, an individual peanut bruise, even though they're in the bag. Okay. I think the Giants found their next gimmick. That's right. Uh, S, at S. Fenson, Steve Svensson asks, Melanson was moved to the 60-day DL. Not much info about actual progress regarding his injury. Yes or no question. If you were bad... If you were betting with your money and not the Giants, does Melanson save a game in an SF Giants uniform in 2018? No! No! No, 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 no! No, 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 I'm pressing the no button. There's no no button. I'm pressing it anyway. No, no, no. Mark Melanson's career is over. We're never going to see him again. Or we will see him and it won't matter. And it'll be gone right away. It doesn't mean he won't get another save in the meantime. But it will, it will have to be in a Giants uniform. There's no way he gets it with another team. I guess this question is broad enough where it could be an independent league save. But he'll, in a Giants uniform, yeah. In 2018, it actually is very specific. No, there's no chance. No, he does not do that. I can, I can kind of see him pitching an inning where he... Gives up a base runner and gets out of it. I can kind of see that. But I, I think he's done. 
Sammy? I'm the only one who answers that question. All right. I said no. I, I said no. no. He's not getting a save. We've said it repeatedly on the Croncast. We had Roger Munter come in, and he took the time out of discussing the minor league season. He started. He was so upset about the Mark Melanson DL move because remember, Mark Melanson looked like he was going to make the roster out of spring training, and then oh nope, his arm nope, it hurts again. That Roger Munter, good soul, gentle natured. Even Steven Roger Munter goes, Mark Melanson will never pitch again. He didn't actually say it in those words. He was basically like, this is nuts that we're not talking about that the muscle was dead and they're not going to get very much out of him the rest of the deal. So, no. If, you, if, you, if people keep wondering about Mark Melanson, if you, listener, hear other people wondering about Mark Melanson, take initiative. Cross the BART track, the BART train. If you hear someone on the other end of a BART train, walk all the way over to them and say, excuse me, I couldn't help but hear you mention the name Mark Melanson and wonder what was happening with him. The answer is he will never pitch again. It's like one of his friends that's just wondering yes. what he's up to. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Never took my buddy Mark Melanson. <laughs> I can tell you what he is not doing. <laughs> he's not pitching again. Uh, Andrew B. Bader, one uh, one last question. How many innings will Pablo Sandoval pitch this season? That's a great question. I'm going to set the over-under at... It's, over-unders have to be... Uh, they can't be whole numbers. I'm going to set the over-under at three and a third innings. I have to say under because it's kind of... It was really funny on Saturday. And then, you know, the jokes have kind of stayed fairly funny. But now it seems like they're starting to take it seriously of him as a pitching, like, option. I don't – that's not funny. I want under. I, that was, It was good in the blowout. I don't want to see it again. No offense to Pablo. Um, it, I'm, I'm also going to say under. It took a blowout and a doubleheader and a doubleheader where in game one the starter was done in the second inning for him to pitch. Uh, the Giants are – the Giants, as an organization, do not like having position players pitch. Bruce Bochy doesn't like having position players pitch. It was fun. I don't think it's happening again. So, under. Well, we could all be – I'm taking the under as well, and we can all be right if he pitches just two more innings. Because if he pitches <laughs> three – So we could all be winners there. And if he obviously pitches three innings in the season, some, some shit went down. So. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if you want to send us your questions during the week, even when we're not asking for people to send them, go for it. We will make a note of them. Rob Hainer had one more question. Rob, it's a little bit too existential. It's about when, uh, if you knew you were going to die, would you want to know? Would you rather know when or how you die? That's the question. Well, we might answer that on another one. But in this, right now, where the Giants are doing fine. When they're doing poorly, maybe we'll revisit that question. So, in the meantime, that to us again because we'll forget when the right. Giants are on a bad losing streak. That's right. So next Sunday, and then and then we'll be like, can it be today? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing you see before you die is a Derek Holland start. Um, okay. <laughs> excellent tipper, Derek Holland. That's what we need to do. Just spread that around. Excellent tipper, Derek <laughs> Holland. And if we get John Miller to say it on the air, we should win a prize. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. You can find us at McCroncast. I'm at McCoveycron. Doug, at I am at Walk McFly. Sammy, I'm at Sammy Higgins. And uh, and be sure to drop in to the McCoveyChronicles.com comment section. It's just McCoveyChronicles.com. Excellent content every day. So much content every day. You won't know what to do with yourself. So you should just sit there. We're a content machine. That's right. 
Churning it out. And we'll have some big announcements this week for site additions. We're going to have some more. We'll have some more. Well, I can't speak. Have more writers joining us this week. So check that out as well. And uh, we're excited to have them. And we're excited that you listened. Thanks again. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks. Bye.